Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. We're so glad you're with us today to kind of experience what's been happening all week long right here at Higher Vision Church. If you're a guest, my name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here. And today we're going to spend some time carrying that theme into the weekend. I'm going to teach you on the concept of shipwrecked. But uh, before we dive into that, I want to say, first of all, how much we appreciate all the people that are part of our church family that aren't here right now, but join us online. Today we have places, um, people joining us in places like Kansas, Colorado, Arizona, Georgia, Texas, New York, El Salvador, Santa Barbara. Can we welcome some of our church family that's joining us around the world? Isn't that great? Welcome today. That is awesome. Well, I like to start with something funny, and so I'm going to tell a little quick story here before we dive in. Um, If you have a Bible, though, you can get it ready and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 27. I heard about this woman who was speeding down the freeway, and she got pulled over by a police officer. The police officer went up to her and said, ma'am, could you give me your name? She said, "Uh, Frida. He said, your last name? Go, ma'am. You're free to go, ma'am? She said, thank you very much, and she went on her way. Um, You might want to try that sometime if you're a woman. It might, might work. Some of you, that went right over your head. Her name, Frida, go, ma'am. You're free to go, ma'am. Some of you are like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, it's just a bad joke, just a bad joke. You know what, today I want to talk to you on the theme of shipwrecked. Because here's the reality that um, there are people here today, people that either in the moment or have had a moment or a moment's coming where you feel like you're shipwrecked. Maybe you've been shipwrecked relationally. Maybe you've been shipwrecked financially. Maybe you've been shipwrecked um, when it comes to your faith. And what you know today that God has a message for us. What do we do when we're shipwrecked? So what I want to do today is I want to take this story. Now, in the week at VBS, we've learned that Jesus rescues. How many are thankful for that? In fact, they've learned. And if you were in VBS and you know to shout it out, Jesus rescues, we learned that when you're lonely, Jesus rescues. That was one of the nights of EBS. Another night was when you worry, Jesus come on, some of you are getting the, getting the hang of it. When you struggle, Jesus and when you do wrong, Jesus those were some of the themes that we learned throughout the week. Today I want to talk to you about this shipwreck, and I want to take a story in the Bible where someone was actually shipwrecked. His name was Paul. In fact, Paul was shipwrecked four times in his life. The, the last time that he was shipwrecked, um, we, we get the encounter in the book of Acts. So what I want to do is I want to take that story, and I believe there's some truths hidden in, the, in this passage that will help you and I when we end up shipwrecked in life. Let me set the story up for you. Paul is on a missionary trip, and then eventually he gets um, taken by the, the government, and they're sending him now to Rome. He's arrested He's on his way to see Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome. And on this trip, he's on a ship. They hit some bad weather, and so they stop in a port. God speaks to him and tells him to tell the people on the ship, hey, you guys better not try to make it through this storm. I know it looks like the weather's good, but if we try to do it, we're going to end up in trouble. Well, they don't listen to what God's saying, and they end up in a storm, and the storm gets so bad that they have to throw things over the side of the ship. They all think they're going to die. 
some of them want to bail and he says, hey, don't get off the ship because if you stay on the ship, you're going to survive. And they end up next to an island called Malta, island uh, that had literally was known for jagged edges. But there was this one little stretch of beach that this ship ends up right by that stretch of beach. And it hits a sand dune. And when it does, several hundred yards away from the shore, the ship begins to break into pieces. And that's when we pick up our story. So I want to invite you all to stand to your feet. We're going to read this out loud together today. Captain of the ship, he sends out a message to everyone because the the ship is breaking into pieces. Let's all read it. Those of you joining us online, why don't you do the same? He ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. That was kind of weak. Come on, y'all help me out this morning. Let's try it again. He ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. And then here's what he says. Others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. I want you to close your eyes. Lord, I know that we all have moments where we face shipwreck. We end up in places we didn't think we would be. But Lord, I'm thankful that you rescue. So I'm going to ask you today to anoint the things that I share. Anoint my, my words literally anoint my mind to lead me into the things I need to say and don't need to say so that you'll speak loudly today. When people walk out of this room and turn off their computer or their phone, may they not walk away and say, that was a good sermon. May they walk away and say, I think God was speaking to me. Anoint our hearts to receive it. In fact, why don't you just say that with me? Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Now just pause and let the Holy Spirit do his little awesome work right now in you. We lean in and we make room for you. In Jesus' name. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I want to give you three ideas today of what do you do when you're shipwrecked. If you're taking notes, I want you to write point number one. We're going to read through the story and we're going to mine some truths that are there the end, I'm going to give you the big theological principle of the whole passage. But when you're shipwrecked, what do you do? Number one, write this down. Hold on to something more buoyant than you. I know it sounds silly, but I want to say it again. Hold on to something more buoyant than you. We just read a moment ago that when they were on the ship and it began to break into pieces, he said, those of you that can swim, jump in and swim. But those of you that are are unable to swim. In other words, the circumstances and conditions of life are going to pull you down. People that are in a situation where the circumstances of life are going to pull them down, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it might be, grab onto something that will pull you up. You know, the word buoyant in the dictionary means to push upward. It means to quickly recover emotionally. It also means to be able to float. Now, if you're on a boat, one of the things that usually they make you wear is one of these, or they have them close by, and it's a life preserver, and the reason it preserves life is because when you get in the water, rather than going down, rather than pulling un- being pulled under, there's something that is buoyant that will push you up. 
And as I was reading through this story, the first thing that jumped out to me was that, and it might seem just like a part of the story, but I think there's a spiritual principle there. And the spiritual principle is this, when you're in situations of life that are trying to pull you down, and can I stop and say that there is an enemy in this world who wants to devour you. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to rob, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy. He wants to pull you under. Life will pull you under. Anybody say amen to that? And what the scripture, I think, is teaching us is when that comes, you need to grab a hold of something that will pull or push you up. Because sometimes in life, we need someone or something to keep us up. This life preserver keeps us up. And you know here at Higher Vision Church, one of the things that that we often talk about is that when you become a part of the church family here, we want to encourage you, don't just come to church on the weekend, but get in a circle. What is a circle? It's a small group. Get in a small group with people who can pray for you, who can lift you up, who can encourage you. Because you see, we need others. Others, Christians in our lives, are meant to be our buoyancy. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Jared, I don't know about that. that. That sounds nice and everything, but where's that in the Bible? Well, let me show you. Ecclesiastes tells us this. It says, two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls. Anybody remember that show, Pity the Fool? Come on. Pity the fool who falls and has no buoyancy in, in their lives has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You see, you need people in your life, people that can text you, that can call you, that can pray for you when you're going through that divorce, when, when everything's falling apart, when you've lost your job, when you want to give up and your faith is weakening and you feel like life is sucking you under. I need you to know something, a circle, a relationship with other Christians where you meet on a regular basis, where you're praying for each other, that might be the key that lifts you to the surface. This passage, I believe, is telling us, grab a hold of the things that are going to keep you above water because God has more for you. Come on, somebody say amen. You know, an example of this is um, my son and three of his friends are on a, a ride on bikes. In fact, let me show you the picture. Um, this is um, four of the men in our church. Tanner here on the end is my son, and then we have um, three of our interns. And they dipped their bikes. These are bikes that they dipped. This is the, the uh, coast of Oregon. They dipped their bikes in the coast of Oregon, and then they began riding, and now they're almost to the end of Oregon, and they're working their way across the country to eventually get 3,200 miles to New York and dip their bikes in the Atlantic Ocean. Now, they're not just doing this because they're weird, which they are a little weird, but they're not just doing it because they want to, you know, do something challenging. They're doing it because they feel God has given them a call to raise awareness and raise money for sex trafficking, to help people be rescued from sex trafficking, to make people aware of what's happening. And so they began the journey. And as they began the journey, how many know that sometimes in life you face adversity? And what they figured out three days in was that shipwreck or adversity or trials had come. Take a look at this video real quick. Day three, most physically and mentally challenging day of my life. Got the boys all behind me. Man, Oregon's beautiful, but these bikes sure aren't. I'll tell you that much. This is so difficult. Everywhere on my body aches and hurts. 
We're only averaging about nine miles an hour. We're going uphill all day, 60, 70 miles a day. It's brutal, literally brutal, but we're headed up a mountain today, but look how gorgeous this is. Oh, ride for freedom. You know, you know what's interesting is I happened to talk to Tanner on that day, and it happened to be on that day that they didn't realize that particular day they had to go 5,000 feet in altitude. And the whole trip, most of the trip was going uphill, and they had these, you know, the bags on the back of their bikes which have tents in them and food in them because sometimes they end up in the middle of nowhere where they have nowhere to stay, literally sleep on the side of the road. In fact, he was telling me the other night they did that, and they could hear coyotes out, and uh, they were freaking out at night. And as they're, as they're going up the mountain, they literally got so exhausted, their bodies got to the point where they felt like that tendons were going to snap or stretch, and literally they were having to get off their bikes, they were having to walk the the, they were, had no energy, they were tired, they were exhausted, and people kept saying, I want to quit. They faced more adversity. One of the things that they didn't think or realize was coming was this, if you take a look at this picture, mosquitoes. That's just the back of his arm. There's over 100 mosquito bites just on his tricep. The reality was is there was adversity and trials and things that were coming in their lives. And here's what Tanner said. He said, Dad, it's been crazy because there's, there's been a time today every one of us wanted to quit. But every time that one of us or two of us or even three of us wanted to quit, thank God there was always one of us that said, no, you can make it. We're going to make it to our destination. In fact, that day, my wife sent a text to all of our family and friends and said, make sure you start texting Tanner, start texting Garrett, start texting the team, give them verses, give them encouragement. And those words of encouragement lifted them to the surface and got them to their destination. They started at eight in the morning. They got at their destination at 10 at night. I want to tell you, you can make your destination if you've got some buoyancy in your life. So God is teaching us in this passage that you're not going to make it on your own. God wants you to have people. You need a small group. You need people that can be the thing that lifts you up to help you get to your destination. You're not going under. I want you to know that today. God has a message for you. You're not going under. You're going to make it. God is with you. Come on, somebody say amen. So the first thing that, that I began to see in this passage was grab something that's more buoyant than you are. That's why you need to be in church so you can get an encouraging word. That's why you need to read your Bible so that you can get an encouraging word. That's why you need relationships that can share with you what you need when you need it. Here's the second thing as you, as you read. Now, before we share the point, I want to show you another part of the story. Let's go to Acts chapter 28. So they get to the island. Um, they swim to shore. They float to shore. They're all exhausted, and it says, the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. How many of you ever had a day where you just felt like you went from bad to worse? Now, What's interesting about this story is they get to the, the shore and there's some nice people there and the people are kind to them and want to help them and so they build the fire and as they build the fire, Paul decides that he's going to help them build it with them and I want to, in this part of the story, I want to point out another principle that I think God is trying to teach us. Not only 
do we, when we're shipwrecked, need to grab something more buoyant than us? But number two, we need to move beyond our comfort zone. I think what God's saying in the midst of a shipwrecked season is move beyond your comfort zone. Now, what do you mean that? Where do you get that in this story? Well, it's very simple. All of these men are, they're dehydrated, their hypothermia is creeping in, it's freezing cold, they get to the beach, some people show up and start building a fire because, you know, the fire is the thing that they need. They need to be warmed up, right? Because of hypothermia, it sets in, it can kill you eventually. So they need to be healed from their sickness, so they start a fire. Now, here's what Paul could have done. Paul could have said, you know what, I'm exhausted, I've been on the sea for weeks with hardly any food, I've been seasick, I just barely made it to shore, man, I'm going to sit back. Instead, he said, no, 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 I'm going to join in, I'm going to push beyond my fatigue, I'm going to push beyond my trial, and I'm going to go be a part of this solution. And the Bible says that he went and he started grabbing an armful of sticks, and he started to lay them on the fire. It's interesting because I think we live in a culture that if we're not careful, they'll grow up and we'll buy into the idea, which is simply this. Well, you know what? Because of the things I've gone through, I think I'm just going to let everybody take care of me. I've gone through a lot, so I'm going to let somebody be a part of the solution. I'm going to let somebody else heal my pain. I'm going to let somebody else do the work. I'm going to let somebody else. Come on, somebody's still out there. Say Amen. And if we're not careful, we buy into that mentality. But here's what I love about Paul. Paul doesn't stay in his fatigue. He doesn't stay in his hypothermia. He doesn't stay in his weariness. Instead, he says, I'm going to move beyond what's comfortable right now. I'm going to move beyond my fatigue and my pain, and I'm going to go grab a hold of some sticks. Now, here's what's interesting about the sticks. And we're going to talk about the sticks and the snake and all that in a minute. But he grabs some sticks, in fact, an armful, and we'll talk about that too. And he puts them on the fire. Here's the interesting part. The sticks are the fuel for the fire. And the fire is the key to him getting healthy and warm. So here's my question for you. What is just beyond your comfort zone that God might want to use to be the key to bring the healing and change in your life that you need? Did that go over your head? Because there's some things that God wants to use to be the vehicle to bring hope, direction, peace, healing, transformation. But here's the problem. A lot of us never experience the fire because we never have our hands on any sticks. Because we've gotten comfortable in our pain. We've gotten comfortable in our situation. We've gotten comfortable in saying, well, somebody else will take care of it for me. You know, the government, they're, they're there to take care of my needs. You know, the church is there to take care of my needs. You know, my parents are there to take care of my needs. And what God might be saying is, listen, I want you to move beyond your comfort zone so that you can put something in my hand that I can use to bring back to you to bring a blessing and a healing in your life. Move beyond your comfort zone. Somebody said, I don't know, Pastor Jared, you're kind of pushing the envelope there. Well, let's go to Proverbs. Look what Proverbs 26 says. Without wood, a fire goes out. Right. Come on, everybody say, oh, me. Everybody say, no, duh. But you know, when you look at that verse and you look at this passage, the bottom line is that the fire requires something. It requires fuel. And my, my question to you is, 
How long have you stayed in your comfort zone and kept your hand away from the very thing? You see, God is looking for you to grab something that you can place in his hand. Maybe it's your serving when you don't feel like serving. Maybe it's your giving when finances are a little bit more tight. You see, I find it interesting because it seems like all the miracles happen when many times we place something in the hands of God. The little boy had two loaves. He placed them in the hands of God. And I'm just curious, what is God's fuel for you? Now, God can do anything without anything because the world is here and there was nothing when it started. But there's something that I believe he's saying to us, stirring our hearts to say, don't sit back in your comfort zone. Get up past your hurt. Get up past your pain. Get up past your failures and grab a hold of something. Dare to believe and be a part of the solution of what I want to bring in your life. You all with me? Say amen. It's interesting, too. Let me just throw this in. Is the Bible says he grabbed an armful. And you know, the word armful in the Greek there, I was drawn to that word, and I did a little study on it, and it means this. In the Greek, it means large, indefinite number. It means massive in size. So he didn't just grab one stick. He, he was grabbing large amounts of sticks. And it, it kind of hit me, and I'm just going to throw this in. Could it be that maybe what God's saying is that, you know, too often... You and I, what we do is we say, well, I'll try once. I'll make effort one time. But then I did and I got bit. Come on, how many here have ever got bit in life? Come on. Amen. Yeah, I tried serving, but I got bit. Yeah, I tried that tithing thing, but then I, I faced a trial. But what's interesting is, is it's almost as if, could God be saying that, hey, listen, part of the solution is not just one time, but it's the effort. Make the effort. Make the effort to get to church when you don't feel like. Make the effort to keep serving when you've served already. Keep doing what I've called you to be. Not weary in doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't give up, right? God is saying, I think to us, we got to keep trying. Yes, you may be bit on the first try. You may be bit on the second try, but I want to tell you something. There's something waiting for you on the edge of your comfort zone. Can I show it to you? Because let's go back and let's read the story. If you read the story, it says that he puts the, the, these sticks on the fire, a snake jumps out and bites him. Now watch what happens. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer no doubt, though he escaped the sea, karma baby. <laughs> Justice will get, will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore, there was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. He had heard the story about the snake, heard the story how that Paul was healed. So Paul went in and prayed for him, laying hands on him. He healed him. Now watch what happens. Then all the other people who were sick on the island came and were healed. Now look at this. As a result, everybody say as a result. We were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we, oops, we lost it there, guys. 
with everything we would need for the trip. Could it be, now let me just say this, everything they needed to get off the island, to get to Rome, came because he was willing to get out of his comfort zone. Because could it be that opportunity, guys, that's your cue, thank you. Opportunity begins at the end of your comfort zone. Miracles are waiting on the other side of your comfort zone. You realize it was through grabbing the stick that the, the, the snake came, and when the snake came, what happened? It created an opportunity for God to do a miracle. God did a miracle. And what was cool about that is that when, when the miracle came, God used the miracle to position them to get what they needed in the house of Publius. It also positioned for the, all the people in the city to eventually experience healing that were sick. And not only that, God provided everything they needed to get where they needed to go. Could it be that everything you need is outside of your comfort zone? God's just waiting for a little fuel a little faith so that he can set things in motion so that you can fulfill your destiny. But you can't do it if you stay where you are. You see, when you're shipwrecked, you have to grab a hold of something that's more buoyant than you. And number two, you got to move beyond your comfort zone. Y'all with me? Say amen. I want to give you the last point, And here's the last point, and it's simply this. When you're shipwrecked, what do you do? Here's the last thing. You shake it off. You shake it off. In the story, there was a snake. We read about it a moment ago. The snake jumps up and grabs his hand. He doesn't just like bite him. He latches on. The snake now is hanging from Paul's hand. Look at what it says that Paul did. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Let me just make a point. Here Paul is. He's exhausted, but he decides to do something good, be a part of the solution, and he gets bit. How many know you can even get bit doing good things? How many know you can get bit when you don't see it coming? He gets bit, and what does he do? He shakes it off. Now, let me just stop and say there's another principle here that I think we need to point out, and that is that when he shook this snake off, his ability to shake it off affected the people around him. Look at what it says. If we read the story real quick, I just want to point this out. When they saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided that he was a god. Here's the point. When you get bit, people are watching you. When someone offends you, when someone treats you wrong, when something horrible happens in life, guess what? People are watching you. Your kids are watching you. Your coworkers are watching you. And the question is, what are you going to do when you get bit? Are you going to keep carrying the snake? Are you going to sit down and go, oh my goodness, oh my God, help me. A snake is attached to me. What am I going to do? Who's got some anti-venom? What, where, oh no. And we grab our fingernails and we start biting our fingernails and suddenly we live life. And I can't tell you how many people I know that are walking around today and they're still carrying their snake. They're still talking about what their mother-in-law said about them in their first marriage.
They're still talking about what that bully did to them in school in sixth grade. They're still thinking about what happened three years ago and two years ago. And what they don't realize is that people are watching all around them. Their kids are watching them. Their friends are watching. The unbelievers that they know they're a Christian are watching them. My question is, what do you do when people are watching you when you get bit? Are you pig pen and you carry all of that with you? Or do you say, like Paul, ah, let me shake it off. As the prophet Elsa said, let it go. <laughs> I asked myself the question, how could Paul just shake it off and move on so quickly? Like nothing ever happened. I mean, it wasn't like he got bit and then he sat down and, and everyone came around and he kept telling the story. Have you ever seen people that get hurt and that's the way they work? Oh my gosh, I was there by the fire and suddenly the snake, you should have seen its claws. He came right out of the fire and it grabbed a hold of my hand right there. You see that right there? You see that wound? Have you ever seen the people, they just rehearse the story and they love to tell the story? I didn't do anything wrong and then these people started saying stuff in my neighborhood and have you heard the story? And what do we do? We, he didn't do that. He didn't rehearse the story. He didn't even stop getting sticks. Which is what the devil tries to get us to do was sit down. Well, I got hurt. You can't do anything. You've been injured. You need to rest. Someone needs to take care of you. But what did he do? He just shook it off and he kept on going. He shook it off and he kept on putting sticks in the fire. He kept on doing what he was called to do. What are you going to do when you get bit? What are you going to do when you're shipwrecked? Are you going to carry it around? And you know, I, I, I'm just kind of feeling liberty here, so I'm going with it. But if someone has a snake attached to them, it's kind of like, ew. Come on, you might know what I'm talking about. I'm staying away from them. And I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to speak because I don't think the Holy Spirit wants me to say this. Some of you are struggling with feeling isolated and alone. And it's not because you're not likable. It's not because you're a good, not a good person. It's because you're still carrying your snake. And people don't want to get connected. They don't want to get bit. They don't want to pick up the venom that you've allowed the enemy to insert into your heart and your mind. Come on, that's good preaching. Somebody say amen. It's all right. It's okay. Somebody say, why does he always say, give me an amen? Well, it's not because I'm insecure and I need your help. It's because the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. So sometimes when we say amen, I'm trying to teach you subconsciously to grab a hold of a promise that God has for you. And that promise is that you don't have to live with the snake bite, carrying a snake, that God has something better for you, that you can shake it off and you can move into your destiny. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I asked myself the question, why did Paul shake it off like nothing was even going on? And here's why. I'm going to tell you why. I think I can support it biblically. If you read the story and you rewind about a chapter, here's what you find. You find that Paul was on the ship with all of the, the men on the boat. The, the ship was supposed to go down. Everybody thought they were dead. They were all ready to die. And Paul comes in and he says, guys, cheer up. Be of good cheer. Fear not. Because an angel of the Lord appeared to me and he told me that I must stand at my appointment before Caesar in Rome. Therefore, if you stay on the ship, you will not die. Everyone will be okay because I have to get to my appointment in Rome. 
So he goes through a horrible storm and the ship doesn't go down. He goes through a shipwreck and nobody dies. And then suddenly now he gets bit. What's going on in his heart? What's going on in his heart is simply this, is that he had a promise from God. And because he had a promise from God, he realized that, and this is really the big theological statement of this passage if you read it. I believe the theological exposition of this passage is simply this. is that God is big enough, he's in control to protect you and to get you to your destination. That God is big enough to help you fulfill your assignments that a problem, a snake bite, a shipwreck are not big enough to stop what God has for you. So just sit back and rest, shake the snake off, move into the next season because God's got it. He'll get you to where you need to be. God is big enough to help you fulfill your purpose and your destiny in life. So what was going through Paul's mind? I'll tell you, this is what I think was going through Paul's mind. He wrote it in one of the last books he ever wrote to his spiritual son, almost as if to say, son, I want you to remember this because I lived a life of this, 2 Timothy. For this reason, I also suffered these things, shipwrecks, snake bites. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Here's what Paul is saying is I don't have to worry about a snake because here's the thing. I'm not keeping the snake. I'm giving it to him. I'm giving my destiny to him. I'm giving my trial to him. I'm giving my unforgiveness to him. And here's what I know, that my God, I am convinced, I am persuaded that he is strong enough, that he is big enough, and he is able to keep what I've given to him. No devil, no shipwreck, no snake can stop my destiny. God is big enough to get me to my appointment. One day I'm standing before Caesar, and I'm going to fulfill my appointment. You all have an appointment. Each one of us have a destiny. So why let a little snake stop you from reaching your potential? Why let your comfort? Here's what's interesting is God is able, he's big enough to fulfill the destiny for your life if you'll grab a hold of something buoyant Because what if they hadn't grabbed a hold of something buoyant? They wouldn't have went down. God's big enough if you'll get out of your comfort zone. And if you'll shake it off. Come on, somebody say shake it off. I want the team to come. Everyone has an appointment. may not be with Caesar. But one day you have an appointment where you're going to stand before the Lord. And what he wants to say to you is he wants to say, well done good and faithful servant, come on in to the joy of the Lord. Come into the kingdom I've prepared for you. God's appointment for everyone here is that one day you'll spend eternity hanging out with God. How cool is that? But not only is that his appointment for you, his appointment also is that you should live a life and that life is a life of abundance. Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have a trial. It doesn't mean you don't get bit. It doesn't mean that you don't have shipwreck. 
What it means is that, that you're buoyant, that you, you rise above the trials, that you have joy in the midst of the storm, that you have happiness and fulfillment and peace, and you, you, you accomplish the things that God has called you to do. It's a, that's the abundant life. It's not the one where you're dragging your feet, where you're sitting and doing nothing, but it's an abundant life, and God wants that for you. He wants you to live up to your potential here on earth, and he wants you to enjoy what he's prepared for you for eternity. We all have an appointment. We all have a destiny. And so here's what happened. We all got shipwrecked. Every one of us. And the shipwreck was our own making. It's sin. Sin will pull us under. Sin is missing the mark. You know what I love about this story is that God caused that boat to end up. If you look at Malta, there's hardly any shore or any place along that entire island where a there was a sandy beach. It's almost all cliffs and rocks and jagged reefs. Isn't it crazy that through all of that storm getting blown everywhere, they arrive on the one place where they could be saved? That shows me that God is in control of, even in the midst of our journey. And what it tells me is that for all of us, when we were lost, Jesus came to be our rescuer.